0: Greetings. I'm truly grateful you decided to take some time to listen to this podcast. I know your time is valuable and you've got a myriad of podcast choices, so the very fact that you're listening to mine is truly an honor. You know, we're living in extremely defining times, a period in time where God has decided to undeniably intervene in the affairs of humanity. Each week, I seek the Lord to know His heart in light of current events. Then prayerfully, I search scriptures and do research to craft the message. My mandate is to help people discover and live in life-giving truth and all the hope truth provides. Truth itself is a matter that has been under attack in recent times. Those of us who have sought to be champions of truth have been censored, marginalized, and actually demonized at times. And I want us all to have a proper understanding of why this is, and what we must do to promote truth. Not to boldly promote truth is to allow ourselves and others to be overrun by deception and ruled by evil. I'm Pam Christian, host of this podcast known as Faith to Live By. My ministry of nearly 30 years has always been to help people make certain their faith is based on solid truth. You know, no one wants to live their life on the basis of a lie. yet. Unless we intentionally examine what we believe and why we believe as we do, we could easily be deceived and ignorant of our condition because the very nature of deception means the victim is unaware. Because of my mandate and seeing the extent of deception that exists among people today, this message, this particular message today is really emotional for me because of the serious battle we've been in between good and evil and the critical time we're living on God's timeline. Everyone in the world would agree both good and evil coexist. Everyone would say they want good to prevail. Unfortunately, there are many people in positions of influence and power who are deceived about what is good and what is true. With great concern for our world, back in 2012, I tackled the subject of defining what is good and what is true, and that prompted me to write my first book, in what came to be a multi-award-winning book series also called Faith to Live By. The first book is titled Examine Your Faith, Finding Truth in a World of Lies. It's endorsed by Josh McDowell, Dr. Craig Hazen, and Dan Story, among others. And if you don't know, each of these men are well-respected leaders and are recognized for their expertise in the field of apologetics, which is a field of theology that provides reasonable defense on behalf of the Christian faith. The Apostle Paul was no doubt the first Christian apologist, having developed the ability to reason with people who weren't convinced that the Christian faith is the only way to be rightly related to the one true God. Within Christian apologetics is the ability to demonstrate how the God of Christ, and therefore Christianity, is the creator of all that exists and the one true God. Let me ask you, are you able to articulately share your faith in a way that would convince others to reconsider what they believe? It's not easy to do, but scriptures tell us we're to be ready in season and out of season to share the reason for the hope within us. Well, these are the critical times we're living in. So I highly recommend you get that first book. And in fact, I'd like to see all Christians have it so they can learn the clear and concise realities of the Christian faith. We each one need to be personally convinced of the truth of Christianity in contrast to all other claims of truth and religions for ourselves in order to share our faith with others. And if ever there was a time in the world when truth needed to be effectively expressed, it's now. So three points of truth I want to address today are free will choice, Christ's intention for the church, or better stated, the ecclesia, and the existence of a real enemy of God, a person. Known as Satan, a spiritual being. I believe none of these have been properly taught in the church today, and with these three matters not properly understood, people have been deceived and therefore misled. I want to start with the enemy of God, known as Satan, and known as the devil, and also known as the father of all lies. Satan was originally created by God as a holy angel, known in heaven as Lucifer. Robin Bullock teaches that none of the angels knew of God's plan to create mankind. Up until that point, the angels enjoyed a unique relationship with God. But when God created man, Robin explains, Lucifer became jealous. Even though God created humanity a little lower than the angels, man clearly had a unique relationship with God. And Lucifer became jealous of man, believing that of all creatures, he deserved this close relationship. And soon, his pride and arrogance brought him to rebel against God along with about one-third of the angels in heaven who sided with Lucifer. Well, in response, God cast them all out of heaven forever. Second Peter 2, verse 4 reads, When the angels sinned, God did not spare them, but consigned them to the pit of hell to be kept for the judgment. However, until the final judgment, the enemy is still roaming about the earth, seeking whom he can devour. It is the enemy's goal to bring death and destruction to anything of value to God, making humanity his primary target. With God giving both mankind and angels the ability to choose their own free will, this battle against good and evil that is being played out on earth today is in all actuality the playing out of the revelation of choices. Those who choose God will be blessed and receive his promises of blessings, and those who do not will receive all of God's warnings and curses. God is exceedingly long-suffering, not wanting anyone to perish, but for all to come to everlasting life through faith in Jesus Christ. Blessings or curses, life or death, the choice is ours. Did you realize that you have the power of your eternal destiny in your own hands, in your own power of choice? Were you aware that the experiences of your daily life Are also determined by your personal choices? It's true. If you're not happy with the direction of your life, if you are fearful, anxious, filled with strife, the opportunity to change your circumstances is before you this very day. With this podcast, you can expect to learn number one, the power of free will choice, number two, the efforts of the enemy to deceive God's people and usurp God's timeline, number three, the plan of God for the church to restrict evil, to restrain evil. And number four, what you must do to be aligned with God and change your life for the better. God has revealed his general plan for the earth and all that's in it. The enemy of God is aware of this general timeline, and he has always worked to accelerate and circumvent specific events in in an effort to override God's plans and hopefully accomplish his own evil plans for destruction and death instead. We are living at such a pivotal juncture. What are some past pivotal times? Well, we've got the day that the enemy of God enticed the woman to disobey God, when Adam, without being enticed, willingly disobeyed. In response, God promised a deliverer to redeem fallen humanity from the eternal separation, their disobedience, their sin, brought on the entire human race. Another past pivotal time was the days of Noah, when God saw every intent of evil was in the heart of man, and he was grieved. He made man. In response, God sent a great flood that covered the whole earth, wiping out the increase of evil of that day. And another pivotal point, the days of Korah's rebellion against Moses, who was God's appointed deliverer of the Hebrew people from the bondage and captivity of the Egyptians. In response to Korah, God had Moses instruct all those who sided with Korah to gather together, and in one sudden movement, God opened up the ground, and Korah and his followers and all their family and possessions were swallowed by the earth and taken alive to Sheol. What are some more recent pivotal times? Well, before I identify them, let's understand the wrath of God is expressed differently in the New Testament days than it was in the Old Testament. But make no mistake, God's standards for holiness and obedience remain the same for both the Old and New Testament times. Romans chapter 5 verses 8 to 9 reads, "But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God." We need to understand both the goodness and severity of God. Romans 11:22 The goodness of God is his love. The severity of God is his wrath. Both are integral aspects of God. So we must understand the love of God is a righteous love and the anger of God is a righteous anger. In fact, Romans 5.18 states, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Let me read that again. Romans 5.18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And I'm sure you agree, we have a lot of ungodliness and unrighteousness by people who are suppressing the truth today. As Bible.org clearly explains concerning the wrath of God upon Christ's followers, quote, Under the new covenant, God has not destined his spirit-filled, blood-bought church for his wrath. His wrath is tied to eschatology, which means a shift towards the new era of salvation that came with Christ's death, resurrection, and glorification, and the outpouring of His Spirit at Pentecost. Eschatology also means a movement towards the last days. It is in this context that the New Covenant community and the Church, which are the same thing, is not destined for wrath. Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath, 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 9-10. And, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 9. Continuing with Bible.org's quote However, God evaluates an individual as he walks with God. Sometimes the individual has such a deep character flaw and sins so egregiously that he must go through a dealing from God. For example, he will show anger, evaluating you and concluding you need correction when you refuse to show mercy and forgive, though you were shown both. Or, he may show indignation, personal reaction that opposes wrong behavior, such as he did against the disciples who tried to block children from seeing Jesus. And finally, God institutes law enforcement and the courts, and they are agents of God's wrath. If a Christian commits a crime, then his arrest and incarceration is God's wrath. The Spirit-filled, blood-washed church as a whole in an eschatological context, is not destined for the wrath of God that is falling on the world because of its law-breaking sin and evil. They are not in Christ and his protection, but we are. So, the two contexts are micro and individual, and macro, the church versus the world. God shows wrath on the world, but not on the church as a whole in the macro. In the micro, in your personal life, Where there is evaluation and correction, there is always forgiveness and restoration. Thus, God's wrath for the individual believer in Christ has turned into correction, Hebrews 12, 4-11. This is one more reason why the individual must belong to a church. There is protection in a Spirit-filled, loving community, mainly protection from his own sin nature. Outside of the church, he risks a sinful lifestyle and eventually severe correction from God Himself or through Satan first corinthians five five and first Timothy one twenty, but always with the redemptive purpose of restoring him, we hope and pray that restoration is indeed always the result as well, but sadly, according to First Corinthians chapter eleven verse thirty, we know that sometimes this is not the case. End quote. You'll want to read the entire article by bible dot org so I'll have a link for you in the show notes. Now, make sure you understand the explanation just given for Christ followers in the New Testament time. It's not the same for those who have rejected God in the New Testament times. Also, don't think that God is softer on sin in our day than he was in the past. I would say on the contrary, he's even more rigid about sin under grace because we have everything we need to overcome sin, unlike the people of the Old Testament. We have the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We have the full canon of scripture, and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all of which should hold us to a more compelling response to righteousness. In my years of ministry, I have learned that far more people are deceived and think they are in right standing with God than people who are actually in right standing with God. Barner Research Group reported, less than one half of adults age 18 to 23 have a biblical worldview compared to about one out of every nine older adults. One-third of all adults, 34%, believe that moral truth is absolute and unaffected by the circumstances. That, of course, means 66% believe that moral truth is relative. And then also, just one-quarter of adults, about 27%, are convinced that Satan is a real force. I can't tell you how this breaks my heart. And if it breaks yours too, then share this podcast and my books with other people. I live to help people discover and live in life-giving truth. And with your help, we can bring others out of the deception and into truth. Remember, those who are deceived don't realize they are. The very nature of deception means the victim is unaware. So we who have the truth must help those who don't to realize the very dangerous plight they are in. Many people have asked if our present-day pandemic is God's judgment against us. My answer to this is, it depends on who you mean by us. If you mean all people of the world, the answer must be given in two parts. God's condemning judgment is given to those who choose to reject Him. God's corrective judgment is demonstrated toward those who have chosen to receive God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We each one reap what we sow. And as I've shared with my podcast this year, I firmly believe God is bringing the consequences for our collective actions upon us. His purpose in doing so at this time is to expose and eradicate evil from our midst, to push back the extreme influence of evil, and to allow His righteousness to prevail and thereby bring many people out from the enemy's deception and into the light of truth. We are in a time of the Billion Soul Harvest. One of the ways we can evaluate ourselves is to consider what we do with our time, treasures, and talents. If you're not sure how devoted you are to Jesus, just look at how you live on a daily basis. Consider your priorities as demonstrated by your everyday activities and your use of your time, your resources, and your abilities. Basically examine what motivates the decisions you make. Let me share a story that reveals how we easily deceive ourselves about our devotion to God and how our responses to life reveal truth. Many versions of this story have circulated the internet, so I'm sorry to say I don't know who to attribute it to, but they deserve all the credit for this wisdom and insight. It is the story of a farmer who one day went with great joy in his heart to report to his wife and family that their best cow had given birth to twin calves, one red and one white. And he said, You know, I have suddenly had a feeling that we must dedicate one of the calves to the Lord. We will bring them up together, and when the time comes, we will sell one and give the proceeds to the Lord's work. The farmer's wife asked him which one he was going to dedicate to the Lord. Oh, there's no need to bother about that now, he replied. We will treat them both the same way, and when the time comes, we will do as I say. And off he went. In a few months, the man entered his kitchen looking very miserable and unhappy. When his wife asked him what was troubling him, he answered, I have bad news to give you. The Lord's calf died. But she said you had not decided which one was to be the Lord's calf. The farmer didn't respond, but quietly walked away, aware of the conflict in his own heart. Is there anything in your life where you are double-minded concerning your devotion to God? I urge you to repent and seek the Lord that you can be freed from this doubt, the confusion, and the conflict. Such is not from God, but from the enemy who seeks to keep you as his possession. Understand the Lord has revealed, and the enemy is aware of this general plan. The enemy always seeks to get the upper hand on God, to circumvent God's plans from coming to full fruition. With both God's general plans for the world and God's individual plans for your life, the enemy sends his minions to keenly observe and report. Then he tries to prevent God's plans from being fulfilled. The enemy was at work through the evil Pharaoh in baby Moses' day, who ordered all male babies to be killed out of fear that the population growth of the Hebrews, who were their slaves, would outnumber them. We see this with King Herod, who ordered all male babies killed under age two, for fear of the birth of the king of the Jews, who might displace him. We see this with Satan, when he tempted Jesus in the desert. Satan had acquired the title deed of the earth, so to speak, when he got Adam and Eve to rebel against God. Satan tempted Jesus, promising him all he had acquired in effort to trick Jesus to forsake God and worship him. In any of these examples, had the enemy of God succeeded, he would have circumvented God's plans. But. God is sovereign, and there is nothing the enemy of God can do to dethrone God, even though he tries to bring perversion and destruction in every way he can. What are some of the present-day ways you see the enemy of God seeking to circumvent the plans of God? Here are some possibilities. Election integrity. Abortion. Vaccines to control population. Wars between people groups wars for economic and or military dominance, division with divorce, racism, political and religious worldviews, technology, including censorship, microchips, artificial intelligence, and transhumanism. What are some of the ways you see the enemy at work in your life to keep you from being completely devoted to God through faith in Jesus? Could it be potential loss of relationship with loved ones if you express your faith, if you share the truth, could it be concern for ridicule in the workplace for making your faith known? Or maybe fear of job security if you are open about your faith? There are many possibilities, and I, in all earnestness, ask you to reconsider your stance. God is very clear in His Word and in the recorded words of Jesus quote, If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Matthew 10:33. Jesus also said, quote, "Whoever is not for me is against me." Matthew 12:30. I believe the days of grace for this pivotal season where God has already begun to intervene are coming to a close. I urge you to choose this day whom you will serve. And as you see God's intervention in miraculous and powerful ways in the days to come, If you have not already wholly submitted yourself to God, beg God for mercy to allow you to repent and be restored. As you see people in danger of God's judgment, pray for them, share truth with them. If you feel ill-equipped to personally share, then share this podcast with them. It's not God's desire that anyone should perish, but that all come to everlasting life through faith in Jesus. If you are able to hear this message, If these words are resonating with you personally, then it's not too late for you to repent. God always keeps his promises, but in most cases there are two things he does not reveal in advance. The precise way he will work in each life and the precise time that he will take. This is why the early Ecclesia taught Christ's followers to live with the mindset that Christ could return at any moment. This is why we must heed the parables of the ten virgins. Please reread Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13 about the ten virgins and the coming of the bridegroom in light of everything I've expressed today. My heart breaks for the five virgins who did not keep themselves ready for the bridegroom or in our present day, my heart breaks for people who are not prepared for the intervention of the Lord. I can't ignore what is surfacing. God is exposing corruption. He's cleaning house and administering His justice beginning first, according to 1 Peter 4.17, with the house of the Lord. To understand how the church of our day has failed, we need to understand Christ's original intent for what we call the church. As explained last week, when Christ said, Upon this rock I will build my, he didn't say, church, he deliberately used the word commonly known to both Jews and Gentiles. That word was ecclesia. The full meaning of ecclesia is much more than an assembly or a congregation of called-out ones, it includes authority over secular realities. The Ecclesia was a governing council that established policies, legislated, conferred or denied citizenship, and elected officials to govern. Consider the gates of a city in the Old Testament times. Besides being a part of a city's protection against invaders, city gates were places of central activity. According to gotquestions.org, it was the gates where the important business transactions were made, court was convened, and public announcements were heralded. There are several mentions of city gates and governing activities occurring, and there are not just for Israelites but for other ancient cultures, such as we read in the story of Mordecai in the book of Esther. To control the gates of one's enemies was to conquer their city. Part of Abraham's blessing from the Lord was the promise that your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. When Jesus promised to build his church, the Ecclesia, he said the gates of Hades will not overcome it, Matthew sixteen eighteen. An understanding of the biblical implications of the gates helps us interpret Jesus' words. Since a gate was a place where rulers met and counsel was given, Jesus was saying that all the evil plans of Satan himself would never defeat the Church, would never defeat the Ecclesia. The fact that our modern-day Church has completely disengaged itself from the realms of politics and government is precisely why the world suffers as it does today. God has always raised up prophets whose role has been to confront secular kings who are promoting agendas contrary to the will of God. Think of Moses, who confronted Pharaoh, or Elijah, who confronted Ahab, or Nathan, who confronted David, or Jonah, who confronted the Ninevites. Even Daniel's stance before King Nebuchadnezzar is consistent with God's people opposing agendas imposed by those who are in leadership that are contrary to the will of God. These are just five examples, and there are many more in scriptures. As Christians, we all have the ability to prophesy. Therefore, collectively, we are all called to stand against any political, or governmental authorities, or mandates that are contrary to the will of God. We are to be the head and not the tail. If we are honest, the Church has not been the influencing standard God intends, which is why we are now faced with God's powerful intervention. While God's intervention will press back evil, more importantly, it will call each one of us who belong to Him into account. The church today is being firmly corrected and admonished to take her rightful place in God's plan. Then, working with God, we can maintain his standards of righteousness and governance for the people. God is judging the church. He is judging us because we have been woefully disengaged in the culture. Instead of the church influencing society as Christ intended, the enemy of God has been influencing the church. Listen to some results from recent surveys. 51% of church-going Americans say the Bible was written for each person to interpret as he or she chooses. The State of American Theology, Lifeway Research, 2016. Less than 10% of sermons preached in evangelical churches mention hell, sin, or anything, quote-unquote, controversial. Pew Research Center, 2019. Only 57% of Millennials believe the Declaration of Independence better guarantees freedom and equality over the Communist Manifesto, YouGov 2019. 24 out of 25 of all Millennials in the United States say they don't have a biblical worldview. This is according to Worldview Measurement Project, American Culture and Faith Institute, 2017. and. Over half of all Americans have never read the Bible and don't know what it says about relevant issues. This is according to Bible Engagement in America, Biblical Literacy, American Bible Society, and Barna Group, 2016. Based on the collective responses of many churches, however, my heart is heavy. Mario Murillo, an on fire evangelist whom God is radically blessing for his boldness, writes this. Quote, Millions of Americans are sick of Biden, Fauci, teachers' unions, and Planned Parenthood. They think woke is a sick joke. They are ready for radical conversion. Meanwhile, the church, from the mega-sized to the tiny, continue to misread the mood of Americans. They insist on assuming Americans hate God and will reject the gospel. The church is believing the lie that we cannot confront and conquer the leftist agenda. Their narrative of defeat is everywhere. Even in sermons that are intended to be victorious, there is the smell of defeat. Mario continues, When messages from churches refuse to confront the evil of our culture, they are ignoring the harvest. When the verbal content is only for believers, they are ignoring the harvest. No matter how high-sounding and motivational the message, if it ignores the harvest, it is grounded in defeat. Wake up, church! America, the real America, wants Jesus. They yearn for forgiveness and peace of mind. They do not hate our history. I'm talking about your neighbor, from the kid down at the park who is all alone to the tax-paying, law-buying citizens, millions of them. The public spoke loud and clear in every one of our tent crusades. They are not afraid to stand shoulder to shoulder to hear the gospel. They are not the autonomans you think they are. They are not blindly following the Gavin Newsom script. Not even during the Jesus movement did I see this kind of violent hunger for God. I do not know what it will take to warn you. I can only speak from my team and myself. We are all in. We have declared total war. We do not see any option but to harvest, harvest, and keep harvesting. End quote. There is so much more of interest in Mario's post, so I'll have a link for you in the show notes. Prophets are speaking of the importance of the next 90 days, the months of June, July, and August. I urge you, don't wait until the end of this time. Seek the Lord now. Ask Him to show you any way within you, anything that you need to repent of. I'm doing the same thing. We need to allow the Lord to renew us so we can emerge even more powerful than we've ever been before in Christ. Although the enemy of God has tried to prevent it, the great harvest of souls is upon us and God will raise up dry bones if need be to accomplish his will. But knowing there still is time, I pray for you to choose this very day whom you will serve and that you too will choose to be all in. Next week is the anniversary of my first year of podcasting with Charisma Podcast Network. I'm planning something of a celebration. I'm not sure what it's going to be yet, but I invite you to be part of it. Plan on celebrating with me. I want to share with you my plans moving forward and what you can expect this next year. And if you have any input for me so you can get from this podcast what you want, by all means contact me and let me know. I so very much want to connect heart to heart. Based on today's message, may I suggest you get a copy of my first book in the Faith to Live by series, Examine Your Faith, finding truth in a world of lies. As I mentioned earlier, it's endorsed by Josh McDowell, Dr. Craig Hazen, and Dan Story, among others. If you use the promo code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, at checkout on my website, you'll receive a 20% discount, and I'll autograph the book for you if you like. If you've been blessed by my ministry work, I would really appreciate you letting me know. I've often asked you to contact me because I truly want to hear from you, If you've liked what you've heard from me today, I also ask you to show your support in whatever way you can. One of the newest ways you can help is to get my new bumper sticker that says Make America Godly Again. They're available for $5 each, and these are beautiful red, white, and blue vinyl stickers, high-quality vinyl, that will hold up nicely in any weather. I hope you'll get as many as possible and give some away so we can actually display our real and certain hope that we have for God and our nation. Use the order form on my web store and let me know how many you'd like. In addition to showing your support with bumper stickers, you can also take advantage of the many goods and services I bring from my sponsors and partners, which you'll find on the FaithToLiveBy.com webpage. One of my sponsors is Ed Torres, who can help you with your future financial goals. Ask Ed Torres, a team member with the financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, about the exclusive confident retirement approach to see if you're prepared for your financial future. Ameriprise Financial Services LLC understands your goals and they provide personalized advice to help you reach them. Call Edward Torres at 949-250-3210. Office is located at 2600 Michelson Drive, Suite 1460, Irvine, California, 92612. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, member F-I-N-R-A and S-I-P-C. You don't have to be in California to consider working with Ed. They are licensed in many states, so I'll have a link to his website on the show notes. And I encourage you, contact him for a free consultation. Ed is mine and my husband's financial advisor and a wonderful Christian man we highly recommend. If you like what you've heard today, I sincerely appreciate hearing from you. You may want to consider becoming a subscriber to my bi-monthly e-newsletter, which will make you a preferred member and you'll receive special announcements and offers not available to others. And with so much going on every day, let's also connect on social media. You can find me on Facebook at Faith to Live By TV, on Twitter at PLChristian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. Be sure to take advantage of the free resources and bonus items listed on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website, faithtoliveby.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. You know, when you review this show, it helps other people discover the show, it helps spread the gospel and helps people learn how to best apply their Christian faith. And depending on the platform where you listen, why not subscribe to this podcast so you're sure not to miss a single edition. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us, the very least we can do is live for Him.